Why has Triple H been so successful? Why is Triple H running WWE better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard on Monday and Friday night? Long-term booking. Ladies and gentlemen, no rest, no rest for the weary man. I didn't get to bed till five o'clock in the morning, this morning. I actually canceled my gym appointment and rescheduled for tomorrow because I had to be up at 8.30. I got woken up by, I don't even know how many texts. WWE sold. They did it. Vince sold it. Vince is still in charge. What a disgrace. I said to myself, am I going to get any rest today? Probably not. Probably not. So here I am live for you guys at 4 p.m. We got Monday Night Raw tonight. We got the biggest Monday Night Raw of the entire weekend. And Jesse, Jesse, I'm looking at, what is that? A spider on the wall? Jesse, come on, man. What are you doing, bro? Letting the bugs in here, man. This fucking... I gotta get rid of this fucking guy, man. Seriously. What a, what a complete fucking asshole. Anyway, we're gonna talk about the merger. We're gonna talk about Vince McMahon's new role. We're gonna hang out before Monday Night Raw. And that's a big fucking spider, by the way. I, I may have to go over there and fucking kill it before I go sit down. We're gonna talk about the merger. We're gonna talk about Monday Night Raw. And what's coming up tonight. And I swear to God, man, if you cut me open, I'd probably bleed Starbucks. That's how much coffee I had this entire weekend, man. But thank you guys for a absolutely monumental off-the-script weekend. We had 7,400 people live last night for the show. And we topped last year's WrestleMania. And we're going to top last year's Monday Night Raw after WrestleMania. And it's all thanks to you guys, man. And I'm ready to talk some WWE. I'm ready to get this extra on the road. So grab a beverage, pull up a seat, and enjoy this happy hour right here on Off The Script. Yeah, I don't do spiders, bro. I don't do spiders, man. That shit is that shit's fucking pretty big, man. I may have to go over there and kill that shit. I don't, I don't do bugs at all, man. I'm a, I, I'm a, I'm a non-bug enthusiast, okay? Anyway, um, we got a lot to talk about, man. I'm glad you guys are joining me here on the podcast. We had a very eventful morning. I swear to God, if you cut me open, man, I'd prob- I would probably bleed black coffee and fucking cream and sugar. It is, it is ridiculous how it's just nonstop. I knew something was going to happen 
this afternoon with the WWE merger. I I just knew it. Uh, I felt it going into the weekend and all the uh, the rumors and all the speculation coming out of the several Nick Khan interviews we've seen on the uh, week of WrestleMania. It was basically inevitable. And a lot of people are probably going to be surprised by what I have to say about this. You know, I, I'm not... I'm not proclaiming doom and gloom like you would expect me to be proclaiming on the show tonight. I actually don't give a shit one way or another. Because nothing that I do is going to change. Nothing that you do is going to change. I don't think the WWE product on TV changes much at all. I don't give a shit who's running the company. I don't give a shit who's running the company. The only problem that I have is that Vince McMahon seemingly... You know, with his track record since he's been retired, has weaseled himself back into the company. And we all know, I mean, if if you are neglecting the fact that Vince McMahon is still in charge of creative, you know, you, you might not want to believe it or not. Does he have the entirety of creative? No, he doesn't. I never said he did. Is he back? Sure he is. You can't refute that claim. I don't give a shit what WWE tells you. WWE can go out there and say, Vince hasn't had much to do with creative or Vince hasn't said anything much as far as creative yet. But we all know he's back. He never left. He never left. He retired in July and the man never left. He retired in July and the man was on the phone with Triple H booking SummerSlam. That's just the way it goes. So the problem that I have with basically everything leading up to this merger with Endeavor and UFC and WWE combining forces for $21.4 billion, it's always been Vince McMahon. I don't think, and I know a lot of people are on board with me, I, I don't think that WWE needs Vince McMahon anymore. They have done Everything in their power to show you that he is not needed. His presence is not needed. His knowledge is not needed. They have so many people in place right now, especially with the merger and a brand new management team in place, consolidating everything with what UFC has built up over the last decade. I don't know why Vince McMahon would be needed. I think Triple H has pretty much proved to everybody that the show is best without Vince McMahon. But we're going to talk about everything that happened tonight. There was an interview that was recorded over the weekend and then aired this morning on CNBC. So this is not something that came about this morning. This is not something that came about on Saturday or Sunday. This was already done. Ever since Vince McMahon mentioned strategic alternatives and Nick Khan getting on board with using such terminology as strategic alternative, this was already done. This was done probably going back, I would say, Royal Rumble. Going into the Elimination Chamber, this was probably done. And you kind of got you kind of got a sense of where WWE was going with it anyway. I mean, look at WrestleMania. How did you guys feel about all the advertisements in WrestleMania, night one and night two? This match sponsored by that. This match sponsored by something else. We got Cinnamon Toast Crunch. We got Mike Hard. Uh, Mike's Hard Lemonade. Sponsoring the Intercontinental title match. This is something that you're going to see more and more and more often. But at the end of the day, 
I, I don't really give a shit who bought WWE, who merged with WWE. Do you know what I'm happy about? I'm happy about a company like Disney not buying WWE. Who doesn't know jack shit about anything? Pro wrestling really. What the fuck did they, what are they going to do with WWE? You know what I'm happy about? The fact that the company wasn't sold to the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. And the company, by the way, this is the most important fact of the matter. Vince was never, and I stress, never going to engage in contracts or, or deals with anybody that was against him being there. Endeavor may have been the only group of people who said, you know what? We want Vince on board. We want Vince in charge in some way, shape, or form in some capacity. Liberty Media, who owns the Atlanta Braves, they were in discussions to buy WWE. That never went through. Why don't you think that went through? Because most of the people trying to purchase WWE or some of the people that were showing interest in purchasing WWE, they laid the ground rules. We're interested. We'll pay you what you want, but we don't want this man in charge. Like, we don't want to work with you. So Liberty Media, Comcast, and anybody else that was in negotiations to work with WWE in a potential sale, Endeavor was the only one that opened their doors to Vince McMahon still being on board and in charge. And plus the relationship with Ariel Emanuel, or Ari Emanuel, and Vince McMahon spans 20 years plus. So not only did he work with Endeavor to get himself back in power and give himself a position of power, this man is now combining the two biggest sports entities in combat sports and pro wrestling, sports entertainment, whatever you want to call it. And he's engaging in this partnership with somebody that he's known for over two decades. So this all exactly worked out the way that I told you it was going to be. It was never about a sale of the company. I feel like you guys, when you listen to me say that, I want you to think about that in your fucking sleep. I hope I really pushed that upon you. It was never about the sale of the company. The company wasn't even sold. If Vince wanted to sell the company, Vince would have sold the company. But he sold 51% of the company to Endeavor, 49% of the company still remains under WWE, and he merged the company. He didn't sell the company. If he wanted to sell the company, it would have been a 100% sale, and Vince, like he told everybody, would walk away. It was never about the sale of the company, because if he wanted to sell the company, he would have sold the fucking company. He did not sell the company. He merged the company. And it's fucked up that we're looking at a situation where it's now potentially not a family-owned business anymore. 100%. It's not going to be left to Shane. It's not going to be left to Stephanie. It's not going to be left to Triple H, Linda. It's not. It was never about a sale of the company. It was about how to get Vince McMahon back in power. And now the transaction not completed yet It's not completed yet, but the transaction and the road to the transaction was always about Vince McMahon, always. I don't give a shit who denies that. I don't give a shit what you think or how many sources you have. It was always about Vince getting back to power, and now he is. 
and he's continuing the bullshit campaign. He's continuing the fucking narrative. Oh, oh, I'm not going to be in creative. I will be, but I won't be in the weeds or the garden or whatever the fuck he's talking about. I'm not going to be in the weeds, he says. Triple H has no power in any way, shape, or form here. He doesn't. If you, if you think that Triple H has any sort of power here, you're, you're a complete idiot. Triple H has no say in anything. Vince McMahon basically threw it out in plain sight to everybody. Are you running creative? Yes and no. Yeah, you're running creative, bro. You're running creative. Is he running creative completely? I don't think he is. And I promise you guys I'll rain back on the narrative of Vince this, Vince that, and Vince this, Vince that. That's the problem that I had from the very word of uh, go. It's the, 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 the problem I had from the start. I don't want Vince there in any way, shape, or form. I think his influence actually takes away from the show. I think Vince ruins anything he touches. Some people were even saying that with Vince back in charge in some capacity and him backstage directing WrestleMania, that the outcome of the Roman Reigns-Cody Rhodes match last night in the main events of night two was a Vince McMahon call. Vince McMahon basically told you that it was today. Now, I don't know how long this thing was planned. I don't know how long Roman Reigns was planned to win. But Vince never left creative. So this could have been planned for weeks, months. But at the end of the day, Vince has ultimate say. No matter what Triple H is going to go out there and tell you guys. No matter what sources are going to reach out to SAP and say, yeah, yeah, Vince is not in charge, man. Vince doesn't have any much uh, to say in creative. Bullshit. The company lies to you. Nick Khan lies to you. Vince today lied to you. But Vince never left. I don't give a fuck who owns the company. I don't want him there. Nobody wants him there. I don't think the people that work for the company want him there. We're going to talk about what was said on this CNBC interview. We're going to talk about what potentially happens with this merger. I'm not really the most uh, business savvy guy when it comes to this type of thing, but I could give you my, my mindset on where this is possibly going. I know a lot of people are worried about Triple H's position in the company and what happens creatively and what happens to Vince's power. Is he the boss? Vince has actually somebody that he has to answer to now. Vince has somebody that he has to answer to. Ari Emanuel is 51% owner of the company. He is the boss. He is the CEO. Vince is still the executive chairman of the board, but he has ultimate power on whatever happens with WWE. They are operating under two separate entities, but they are combined. Nick Khan is the president of WWE. Dana White is the president of UFC. They are merging other pieces of management together to create this mega powers, to create this ultimate dream team of combat sports and sports entertainment. I'm okay with that. I just don't want him and his influence there in any way, shape, or form. So we're going to talk about this, and we're going to get right into it. But I want to thank you guys so much for joining me on the podcast today, man. Uh, I was not expecting to go live, but I I felt like I had to. So we are going to tackle this thing today. Rest up. Come back later. Monday Night Raw after WrestleMania. Supposedly a big show. I got some news and notes on that. 
And uh, it's going to be the biggest show of the entire year for Monday Night Raw. So I'm excited to see what happens there. But if you guys can kindly, please hit that thumbs up. We got 3,000 people here on a, on a Monday afternoon. So if you guys are in the chat and you have not done so, please hit that thumbs up, man. I would love 1,000 likes minimum. Super chats are open. Get them on in. Let me know how you feel about this. What are you worried about? What do you expect from this? Do you care? Do you not care? Sound off in the Super Chats, and let's chat at the end of the show. Memberships are open. Get them on in. We'll hang out as well with the members, and uh, we'll shout you guys out as well at the end of the show. And if you guys want to become a channel member, all you have to do is hit that join button and become a VIP right here on Off The Script. WrestleMania, night one and night two, broke records for the podcast. We were live last night with 7,400-plus inside the OTS venue Thank you guys so very much. We shattered last year's record. I'm expecting the same thing tonight from Monday Night Raw. What a tremendous weekend, man. Thank you so very much. The exhaustion that I'm feeling is absolutely worth it. I wouldn't change a fucking thing. Uh, That's why I got my caffeine instead of my cold beverage. I have a hot beverage. But thank you guys so very much, man. We're going to do it again tonight for Monday Night Raw. But if you missed any of that content, it is on the channel right now. Go check that out. And I will be uploading this show and night two of WrestleMania to Spotify, iTunes, and Blue Wire, and all other audio platforms immediately following this show. So you guys have all that to look forward to uh, on your way to work tonight or tomorrow morning. You guys have it in your back pocket so you can listen to me on the go whenever you want. Let's get into it, man. I uh, have everything pulled up here, and I want to start with the WrestleMania event that we just got done with. WWE is already touting that WrestleMania 39 was the most successful WrestleMania of all time. It broke viewership, live gate, sponsorship revenue, merchandise revenue, and social media records across the board. And good for them. It was their most epic production to date. It was, I don't want to say the greatest WrestleMania of all time, I think night two really took a hit with some of the things that happened, and the match card really dampened night two. Night one was fantastic. I I thought night one was incredible. But night two kind of brought down that rating, and I would absolutely go out there and say that this was at least a top five WrestleMania in WWE history, which was tremendous in itself, because normally, you know, the longer these events go on, you know, sometimes they don't really hit like the older ones do. But WWE has... Taking it to the next level, man. They are completely operating on a different planet when it comes to this type of shit. And it's only going to be enhanced with the UFC merger and Endeavor partnership. WWE smashes viewership and all other records. They announced this today via the New York Stock Exchange. WWE announced that WrestleMania 39 became the most successful and highest grossing event in company history. The two-night sold-out event at SoFi Stadium set new records in viewership, gate, Sponsorship, merchandise, and social media. Night two of WrestleMania surpassed the existing global viewership record by 33% just one day after WrestleMania night one surpassed the existing global viewership record by 28%. That's obviously having to do with Cody Rhodes and Roman Reigns and the big match that they had advertised coming into this thing. WrestleMania 39 generated a gate of more than uh, a million breaking previous records by 27% with 161,892. I believe it's 20 million. 20 million uh, gate they broke. uh, Generated a gate of more than 20 million. 
And an attendance of 161,892 at SoFi Stadium. That's over two nights. So obviously, with the two-night mania, they're going to break records regardless because it's a two-night mania. In addition, WrestleMania 39 broke all-time sponsorship and merchandise records. Sponsorship revenue eclipsed uh, several million. I believe that actually eclipsed 20 million as well. More than doubling the previous record, merchandise sales were up 20% versus the record set in 2022. WrestleMania 39 became the most social WrestleMania of all time with over 500 million views and 11 million hours of video consumed over the two days, a 42% increase over last year. So that is tremendous for WWE, and you knew that they were going to come out first thing in the morning and gloat about the most successful WrestleMania of all time. But I do think that this was a top five WrestleMania for WWE since the birth of the event. I thought this event this weekend was tremendous. I've been hard on WrestleMania in the past several years. I I do think that the uh, reinvigoration of the product led by Paul Levesque has definitely helped. And I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with WrestleMania 40, man. 40 is a big number, a nice round number. 40th anniversary of WrestleMania should be tremendous. And we still have the bloodline uh, moving forward on WWE television which upset everybody in the main event of night two with Cody Rhodes and Roman Reigns. Backstage news on when WWE decided to have Roman Reigns retain the undisputed Universal Championship at WrestleMania 39. The match saw outside interference from the Usos, Paul Heyman, Solo Sokoa, the entire bloodline, and the finish saw Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens try to help Cody Rhodes. We got a stunner. We got a halluva kick. It, it would have been poetic justice for Sami Zayn to help Cody Rhodes win the championship and crown a new world champion. All of a sudden, crossroads, crossroads, and then a Samoan spike out of nowhere because Solo Sokoa got kicked out of the ringside area early on in the night, comes back with a hood over his face, Samoan spike to Cody behind the referee's back, and Roman Reigns with a spear, and that was it. One, two, three, and Cody Rhodes fails at completing his story. There were reports today that when Vince McMahon was still in power of creative before he retired, quote-unquote, last summer, there were no plans for Reigns to lose the championships. Once he was out of power, the company put plans in place for Rhodes to challenge Roman Reigns for the championships at WrestleMania. Several people in WWE began to defend the idea of Reigns retaining the title over the last week, and there started to be rumblings that Reigns may come out on top in the week leading into the WrestleMania main event. Fightful says this, We have now confirmed that the plan for Roman Reigns to emerge victorious was set, and several people were aware of it several weeks ago. We're not told when the talent was informed, the report noted. Fightful did confirm that the interference elements were not told to the talent, the referees, and ringside staff until late in the day. Sources denied McMahon was involved in making the call to have Reigns retain. I don't give a fuck what the sources denied. Roman Reigns retaining the championship was a Vince McMahon call. It definitely had Vince McMahon influence written all over it. I don't give a fuck who you are, SAP, or fucking Fightful, or PW Insider. 
I don't give a single fucking shit who you are. Vince McMahon is in a higher power of creative. And I'll get into what he said because he used that exact terminology. Vince McMahon, this is a Vince McMahon project. The Bloodline, Roman Reigns, the Usos, and everything that you've seen over the last seven to eight to nine months. Where did it begin? It began under Vince McMahon's watch. Vince McMahon had zero plans, zero plans for Roman Reigns when he gave him the undisputed WWE Universal Championship. Vince had no clue on when, where, and to who Roman Reigns would lose that championship to. And that point was proven on Sunday night at WrestleMania. The internet wrestling community legitimately was a shitstorm of fucking garbage on Monday morning, Sunday night going into Monday morning. I went to bed with people crying to wake up on Monday morning with people crying even still harder than they were on Sunday night. Sometimes I love to watch the world fucking burn right before my fucking eyes. And this is one of those instances. I said it for weeks that Roman Reigns should not lose. I got people out here claiming Cody's ruined, Cody's buried, the moment has passed, they passed on McIntyre, they passed on Zayn, they passed on Cody. McIntyre was never scheduled to win the WWE titles. Sami Zayn was never meant to win the WWE championships. Cody Rhodes was your best bet, and even he was not meant to win the WWE Championships at WrestleMania. You can cry all you want, and you can cry about how Cody's adversity came in the build for seven years. You cannot use that as an excuse because the adversity that you are mentioning is not the adversity that WWE has portrayed on their television. If you're going to sell me on the adversity of Stardust and Cody with Dusty and AEW and everything he did on the indies, then you should do a better job of telling me what the fucking adversity is for Cody Rhodes. What you got last night was a new opportunity for a brand new story to continue. Moving on from where Sammy and KO were there, now Cody's story is going to be a story of redemption. Cody's story is going to be a story of revenge. Cody's story will be finished at SummerSlam. I don't understand what the fucking problem is with half of these fucking people. Legitimately crying on social media about how Cody is buried. Cody Rhodes is one of the greatest storytellers in that ring of our generation. How fucking sad are you to already be casting doubt on what Cody Rhodes is capable of and how Cody Rhodes is going to let you fucking feel in this storyline? Now you have the adversity. Now you have the mountain that Cody Rhodes has to overcome. He's going to win the WWE Championships. This is not anybody else's story but Cody Rhodes. I don't really understand what the fucking big deal was. Oh, they ended WrestleMania on, on, a, on a poor note. Everybody was disappointed. That's not what I heard. I heard more people cheer for Roman Reigns retaining the championships than Cody Rhodes losing. 
There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I don't understand why everybody is so impatient. Roman Reigns even said it at the post-show WrestleMania scrum. He said, everybody is so involved in what's going on nowadays and wants to digest everything in a TikTok short or a YouTube short. 60 seconds this, 30 seconds that. Nobody wants long, drawn-out storylines that make you feel anymore. He said it last night. And I mentioned it last night, too, and I got this from my guy back up, Adam Page, on on uh, on Twitter. He put it perfectly. It was like, you're watching a fucking basketball game. I-, I felt like I was legitimately watching the goddamn Atlanta Braves in the fucking World Series going into a Game 7, and I'm on the edge of my seat fucking rocking back and forth like Mick Foley as mankind in the fucking basement of a building somewhere, losing my fucking mind. That's what I felt like I was watching. I felt like I was watching a sporting event. I wasn't for Cody. I wasn't for Roman. I, I, was, I was for the best decision possible for the storyline moving forward. Roman says that they're only in the third inning. You're only in the third inning. So Jay Uso and Jimmy Uso being on board was the first inning. Sami Zayn joining the bloodline and then his story was the second inning. Cody Rhodes is now entering the third inning. Roman's not going all nine innings. Roman's not pitching a fucking no-hitter here. You have nothing to worry about. Roman's not going that deep into the game, let me tell you. Because when we get to about the fifth or sixth inning, Roman's getting pulled. We're getting a relief pitcher coming in. And Cody is going to win the world championships at SummerSlam. A lot of people are forgetting about this little thing that WWE just brought back to a premium live event called King of the Ring. You don't think Cody Rhodes would be a perfect king of the ring, giving him a chance at the world championship, giving him that shot at Roman Reigns? That's the mountain that Cody Rhodes needs to overcome. That's the adversity that Roman Reigns is going to bring down upon Cody Rhodes. You ain't getting shit. You ain't getting, there was nobody that got got a rematch before you and you're not getting a rematch. I'm the tribal chief. I already took care of you. Cody's going to have to go through the bloodline. Cody's going to have to go win the King of the Ring to get that world championship match. And when it happens, it will be under a stipulation where Cody is going to beat Roman clean. I don't know what the problem is. I I don't know why everybody is freaking out. Everybody's like, oh, if not Cody, then who? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? 
Roman beat Cody, and people are already asking, if not Cody, who? Cody! Cody is the guy! Cody's gonna win the title! You're just too fucking stupid to see it! You don't realize the opportunity that WWE gave you as far as the storyline is concerned, and people are already booking Jey Uso to win the title, or Solo Sokoa to win the title. Oh, these guys gotta be the guy now. No, it's Cody! It's always been Cody. Soon as he showed up last year, it's Cody. What is the problem? God, do I love being right. You don't want a story. You want to hang on seven years that never happened in the WWE as the story. Are you fucking stupid? We know the story. The WWE audience doesn't know the story. You're not going to build that story out of nothing. Oh, Cody's adversity happened on the indies. Fuck the indies. Cody's adversity happened in AEW. A company, WWE, under no circumstances is ever going to mention. We know it. Now you got to tell it. God, you people are fuck. You gotta be fucking mental. Really? Really? On what planet? On what planet are you guys living? Did you really? Did you honestly expect, knowing Vince McMahon never left, and that Vince McMahon's biggest fucking resource and biggest fucking gamble was Roman Reigns? This man failed for eight years. And you expect Vince McMahon now on a record-setting reign where he's about to pass Pedro Morales 1,027 days. You think that Roman Reigns under a Vince McMahon watch is going to lose to somebody that left the company, didn't want to be there, went to AEW, started a rival promotion, went to war with WWE. You think Vince McMahon's going to give that guy the one chance, the only chance he had in his first time to beat Roman Reigns? I don't know, people. You know, Jesus fucking Christ, man. You guys really don't know jack shit. You don't know jack shit. You got fucking fightful fucking geeks and people crying from wrestle talk and fucking what culture and cultaholic. The tears that I've seen this morning have hydrated me so much that it could have wakened me from a fucking nine-month coma. I love it. I love it. This is what I live for. This is what I thrive on. This is what gets me excited you got to be out of your fucking mind if you thought Vince McMahon was going to allow that to happen. There's a time and a place and a moment for this to happen. WrestleMania wasn't it. WrestleMania was not it. You're not allowed to use the torn peck. You're not allowed to use Stardust. You're not allowed to use Dusty. You're not allowed to use the Indies in seven years in AEW. You're not allowed to use it. You're not. That's not adversity in the WWE. 
That was Cody betting on himself to become the man that he is, but you expect him to just walk on into the company with a fucking freshly tailored suit, getting a championship match because he won the Royal Rumble and eliminated 29 other guys, right? Which was 28, which realistically was six. Goes into the Rumble at number 30, basically handing him the fucking WrestleMania main event on a fucking silver platter. It's like they had fucking... It's like they had the butler come out and just hand him a fucking, a, a beautiful gourmet meal. You expect that to be enough to beat Roman Reigns. I don't know, people. Uh, I, I, I just don't get it. I don't get it. So people are going to cry. People are going to be upset. People are going to be mad. People already claim that they're not watching WWE. Goodbye. Goodbye. Nobody's going to miss you. Nobody's going to miss you. There's one thing in this fucking company that I trust, which is a very difficult thing to do nowadays. If there is one thing in this company that I trust, it is the way that the bloodline have been handled on television. You think you would have gotten that point already. Why would you ever doubt anything that Paul Heyman is a part of? Why would you ever doubt Anything that you've seen from Roman Reigns over the last three years. Oh, Roman Reigns wins by cheating all the time. It's like you watched professional wrestling for the first time last night. I've never seen such fucking blind fucking ridiculous stupidity. This was the right move. This was the right move. It was the right move. It's always been the right move. Cody's adversity needs to be a story. Have him win the King of the Ring. Have him climb the mountain. Have him challenge at SummerSlam where Roman Reigns' reign began in 2020. It began at SummerSlam. It ends at SummerSlam. Then you're going to get the people saying that WrestleMania was the moment and that it's not going to be duplicated the same way. I don't give a fuck what you say. When you get that match again, you're going to be even more obsessed with Roman Reigns losing, and it's going to be an even bigger deal because Cody is going to now be put through the fucking ringer, and there's going to be more bullshit thrown at him that you want to fucking care for. I love it. I love it. Remember how we felt with Daniel Bryan? Do you remember how we felt with Daniel Bryan? How many times did we have to be heartbroken when he finally got that match, when he got that mania moment, when he beat Triple H, when he got into the triple threat match at WrestleMania 30? How great was that feeling when he finally overcame the fucking mountain? When he finally beat the administration of WWE, calling him a B-plus player, having shit fucking thrown in his way, This, 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 that, 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 obstacle, obstacle, obstacle. How great was it when he finally won? It's almost as if you guys forgot that storytelling still exists. Get out of your fucking TikTok phase. Get out of your IG, Insta Reels, and whatever the fuck you guys are doing on social media. Put this shit down and watch storytelling play out over a long-term period. I guarantee you... You're going to feel a lot better when Cody wins the world championships this time before anything else gets in your way. You're going to be feeling a lot better when he wins the title at SummerSlam than you are at WrestleMania. Guarantee it. That's all I have to say on that. I actually think I did a better job explaining this to you tonight than I did last night in my fucking sleepiness. 
Ridiculous. Monday Night Raw. Then we'll get into the UFC stuff. Monday Night Raw. Triple H will make a big announcement on Monday Night Raw tonight. WRKD Wrestling first reported the news, and there are no details right now on what the announcement might be, but Triple H will start Monday Night Raw with a huge announcement. Obviously, it's probably going to be something along the lines of this is a brand new era, and yada, yada, yada. I don't think that this is uh, much of anything. It's not going to be a big uh, return or a big debut or somebody that they just bring into the company as a brand new signing. This is going to be about, you know, WWE entering a brand new era. He's the face of creative. And I say face of creative because that's what his title is. Vince is not going to be on TV. He's the spokesman for the WWE. He's the puppet for WWE. So he's going to get everybody hyped up for a brand new era of WWE. And that's basically what it's going to end up resulting in. WRKD on Twitter also says that Roman Reigns and Solo Sokoa will be at the show tonight. They will be in the main event in a tag team match against Cody Rhodes and a mystery partner. Now, I don't know who this mystery partner is, but apparently rumors are going around that WWE could potentially bring Matt Cardona back to the company, and he will be teaming with Cody Rhodes. Not really interested in that at all, but Matt Cardona and Cody Rhodes are besties. Then you got the rumor of Matt Riddle coming back, and I don't find that to be interesting at all. Either, though it would make sense because Matt Riddle was put on the shelf storyline wise by the bloodline. So I don't really care for that either. The other big name could be Jay White. I don't know how that plays out. Maybe we see someone like that align with Cody Rhodes, which I, I don't think that's the case at all. But he is rumored to be on the show and there are rumors that he is signing with WWE and tonight would be the night. I don't know. I, it could be Randy Orton. It could be Randy Orton with Cody Rhodes and his ties with Randy Orton and vice versa. It could be Randy Orton. It could be anybody. So the mystery tonight is really going to be a mystery. So we will see what happens, but I'm excited about that. A special guest will be joining the Latino World Order. I did read that Bad Bunny is scheduled to be on the show tonight, so that may be what that is alluding to. And Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn will be defending their newly won tag team titles against the Street Profits, who won the men's showcase match at WrestleMania. And we will see uh, what transpires for the rest of Monday Night Raw. Who from NXT is getting called up? Are we getting some new signings joining the company, debuting tonight? It's going to be a big night. It's going to be a, a, a huge, important evening. And I will be live after the show is over right here on the podcast. Let's get into the WWE sale of, uh, of uh, what happened today. The WWE sale, the merger with UFC, this partnership with Endeavor. The news that broke this morning after the most successful WrestleMania of all time. WWE obviously sold to Endeavor. This was reported yesterday by CNBC. And this is now looking like WWE and UFC will be under the same umbrella. The report states that Endeavor would own 51% of the company, giving them the majority share, while WWE shareholders would get 49% as they start a new publicly traded company. Fightful has reached out to WWE officially, haven't heard back, but they've spoken with tons of talent and staff. Thus far, they haven't been briefed, but many were told that the sales process was ongoing and moving along well, going into the final moments of last night's WrestleMania. 
because that's when the news broke, yesterday before WrestleMania. There was buzz this week among several in WWE that a deal was being finalized with a non-Saudi Arabian buyer. So the Saudis, the rumor of the Saudis, and whatever happened earlier in the year where that story broke and made a lot of people look like a bunch of fucking geeks in the wrestling media, they are silent, number one. Number two, it is now looking like that was kind of thrown out there on purpose, falsified on purpose to kind of gauge the reaction of if WWE did sell to the Saudis. But at that point, I don't think WWE was really, you know, anywhere close to getting a deal done with Endeavor. After that came about, they kind of got the, the, the glimpse of what the reaction would be, and then they moved forward with the, the deal with Endeavor. So I do believe that that Saudi rumor was thrown out there on purpose to gauge a reaction from the community. WWE had told Feifel that they would be hosting likely suitors in Los Angeles WrestleMania weekend, and Feifel learned the deal was in motion well ahead of anything planned for WrestleMania. It was also in motion when Vince McMahon nailed down a two-year employment contract with WWE. Now, a lot of people are raising this question as well. What is Vince McMahon's power in the company? He's now executive chairman of the board. He is holding his position that he currently held. He will be monitoring. He's basically he's basically the boss of WWE. He is the executive chairman of the board. He's got the same power that he had in WWE, now with the merger with UFC and Endeavor. He signed a two-year employment contract. A lot of people were like, why did he do that? Vince McMahon is now somebody that has a boss. Ari Emanuel has 51% of the power in the company. He's got majority power. So Vince now has to answer to Ari Emanuel, no matter how good of a personal relationship slash friendship that they have. Vince signed this two-year contract basically for all the reasons that I've kind of prepped you guys on. You know, he basically wanted to manipulate his way back into power. He wanted to really throw it in everybody's face. He signed a two-year agreement, uh, employment contract with the WWE. But he also did it as a way where it's a little bit of of an insurance policy for himself. Now, he's got a two-year contract. He's going to be there for two years. What happens after two years, I have no idea. But Vince McMahon covered all of his bases with this contract that he signed for two years. They they can get rid of him. I mean, there's got to be justifiable cause to get rid of him. But they're not going to get rid of him because now he's a two-year employee. Contract for two years. So he did it as a nice little cushion for himself so that they couldn't do anything to him in the beginning stages of this partnership. When Endeavor acquired UFC in 2016, they looked to retain Dana White in a head role although he had many more years leading the charge ahead of him than Vince McMahon does. Those close to McMahon claimed that he was adamant to them that he was returning to oversee either a sale, rights fees negotiations, or both. WWE Creative claims they have not interacted with McMahon since his departure last summer or since he forced his way back into the company in December. And that I believe, because Vince McMahon does not need to go through creative. There are what, 50, 60, 70 creative writers in this company? Vince McMahon doesn't give a shit about any one of those creative writers that are employed by WWE. 
If Vince McMahon went through creative, then it would blow up bigger than WWE wants it to blow up. He wants it to be somewhere where he's working in the shadows and he doesn't want his presence really felt unless it's somebody that he wants to really have his presence felt alongside with. Bruce Prichard knows Vince McMahon isn't creative. He'll deny it. Triple H has outwardly said that Vince McMahon yields phone calls from him and vice versa about creative. And Vince McMahon even said so today in the interview that we're going to go over that he is still a part of creative. Why would Vince need to go through the creative team? He doesn't need to. Vince McMahon is going to do what he wants. If he's got a problem, he's going to work at the very top. If he's got a problem, he's going to pick up the phone and call Bruce. If he's got a problem, he's going to pick up the phone and call Triple H. He doesn't need to go through fucking rinky-dink fucking geek writer number 14 to go talk about a problem or what he wants on the show or what he doesn't want on the show. Why would he go and do that? If he's got a problem, if he wants something changed, if he wants something in general, he's going to call his son-in-law. Simple. So yes, no shit, WWE creative hasn't heard from Vince McMahon. They are never going to hear from Vince McMahon. Several talent have had concerns he's getting more involved. There are rumors going around that scripts are being a little bit more, I would say, scripted is a good word. Everything feels a little bit more scripted than it did when he retired because he immediately needed to go away and then he started to slowly creep himself back into the process. Things are being highlighted. Things are being a little bit more written out there telling the, the, the wrestlers what to say. It's reportedly that it's a very scripted-like environment. Again, instead of being free-flowing and allowing some of the top-tier talent that's trusted to go out there and do what they need to do and feel a little bit more organic and feel a little bit more natural. There were reports going around that there are several rewrites nowadays than there were in the beginning stages of when Triple H took over. What does that mean? That was a common occurrence under Vince McMahon in his administration. Scripts would be written up and then ripped up right before the show went on. And then only to be rewritten during the show. That's what they feel like is changing. Characters that were off TV now are back on TV because they are things that Vince McMahon either created and he wants to see through. Or things that happened under Vince McMahon's watch when he was there completely in charge that Triple H changed and now they reverted back to the way Vince McMahon had them previously. Like Asuka. Because we saw the deterioration of Asuka since the Royal Rumble. Maximum male models being back on TV. Bray Wyatt doing the Muscle Man dance. And Firefly Funhouse taking front and center on WWE TV. Shit like that. Karrion Cross kind of being scaled back on TV. Hit Row basically being taken off TV. You, know, you didn't really see much of them uh, through most of this year. So WWE is looking at a situation where things were in place on the Triple H and now with Vince McMahon back in charge, things are slowly starting to go back to the way they were when he was there completely 100%. Chad Gable was called short and ugly. Uh, Johnny Gargano had his height mentioned on WWE television a couple weeks ago. I don't know what to tell you. That's not a Triple H thing. It's a Vince McMahon thing. Now, I will say this. I will call it out. I will make these references when I need to. I promise to you guys I'm not going to make it a big, 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 big deal. But I will call it out when I see shit like this happening because now we know. We know for a fact. We know for 100% fact because he said it himself today. He is in creative. He's working in some capacity with creative. He never left. 
So I will call it out now that we know what we know. But do I think Vince McMahon is completely in charge of creative? No. Do I think that he is in charge of some aspects of creative? Yes. Do I think Triple H is in charge of majority creative? Yes, I do. But I also feel like Triple H, and you cannot fault me for this, because Vince McMahon said it today in this interview, I do think that Triple H is nothing more than a fucking figurehead and a title. And I feel like, because it's happened in the past, that when things don't go the way Vince McMahon wants, and who knows what's going to happen over the next two years as he does have this two-year contract now of employment, if things don't go his way, how quick is he going to get rid of what he doesn't like and how quick is he going to get rid of something he doesn't want for something that he does want and how soon is he going to take more and more and more power? It may be a slow, gradual thing. That's what I'm worried about because he used some terminology in this CNBC interview that he used when he appointed Eric Bischoff and Paul Heyman as executive directors of Monday Night Raw only to fire Eric Bischoff six weeks into his run, and Paul Heyman didn't even last a year, only for him to put Bruce Prichard in charge both of Raw and SmackDown and him back in charge of everything. Who's to say he doesn't do the same thing with Triple H? And it doesn't matter if it's his son-in-law because it didn't stop Vince McMahon from completely destroying the best thing that they've had in decades with NXT Black and Gold. He didn't even blink a fucking eye. He didn't give a fuck who was running that company, son-in-law or not. He blew it up, destroyed it, and they fucking killed it. So you don't think he is capable of doing the same thing with Triple H if he finds some fucking justifiable reason to do so? Several talents had concern that he's getting more involved. McMahon was backstage at both Raw and SmackDown this week. Those that we spoke to with knowledge of the situation said that McMahon would have had protections to either keep him around or in some capacity or have a healthy severance clause in the event that he were quickly canned. Fightful spoke to employees from several potential suitors who said that McMahon wanted to remain involved. That would be a major sticking point and a hurdle for, for a variety of reasons for a sale to get done. Among those included the new post-McMahon regime showing from uh, a creative standpoint that they were more competent in leading the charge. Um, we don't need Vince McMahon. We, we don't, if there's one thing that Triple H has gone out there and proved, we don't need Vince McMahon uh, in the new regime that we have in place. Vince only wants to be there because he's just power hungry and greedy. And he thinks he is right and everybody else is wrong. But if anything has shown us, it's that Vince McMahon is not needed in WWE from a creative and I would say a business standpoint because that's why they hired someone like Nick Khan. Nick Khan is facilitating a lot of these deals, and Nick Khan has a lot uh, of, not only does he have a lot riding on what he does, but Nick Khan has a lot of relationships, uh, and Nick Khan has a lot of great ideas that he's brought to the table already for WWE to maximize their profits. So what do we really need Vince McMahon for? The only reason why Vince McMahon came back was to facilitate a sale of the company, which he said he would walk away from once it's done. He did not walk away. He gave himself a two-year fucking contract extension as an employee. He's not stepping away. He's got more power than he did before. And now we're looking at WWE merging with UFC, and this is going to be a huge fucking benefit to both parties. Does he need to be there for this to happen? No, Nick Khan could have did this. Does Vince McMahon need, need to be there to facilitate TV rights deals negotiations? No, Nick Khan can do that. The fuck did you hire him for? Vince only wants to do it because he 
can't get used to staying in the background. He wants power. He's greedy. And this is everything that he set out to do. Now look at where he is. He manipulated the fucking game, and he won. Now, Fightful has not heard of an update regarding the creative aspects and how Triple H would remain involved. I'll get into that in a second. However, Fightful did speak with Endeavor sources who indicated a trust in what they've seen out of him and a general respect for the work Stephanie McMahon did before leaving. So there's no reason why Endeavor is going to remove anybody from their current positions. I mean, they said that WWE and UFC are going to be operating under two separate entities. Why would they fuck with the system that WWE has in place? I mean, if anybody knows what needs to be done over there, it's the fucking team that Triple H has already put in place on Raw and SmackDown. Endeavor recently acquired Asylum Entertainment Group, a non-scripted production company. WWE has also had numerous talents driven uh, with non-scripted shows. In addition, Endeavor owns the UFC, which has featured the likes of Brock Lesnar, Shayna Baszler, Ronda Rousey, Matt Riddle, and others on the roster. One source with Endeavor that Fightful immediately spoke to believed that if an acquisition were to take place, which it did today, it would provide more mainstream opportunities and opportunities in general for WWE talent without fear of losing them to outside projects as Endeavor is a healthy or is in a healthy position to provide those opportunities and projects. Another source in Endeavor was confident that a sale would lead to additional opportunities for talent with the source pointing out that UFC fighters are allowed to have exclusive content pages such as OnlyFans, a brand army or, or and brand army for additional income. However, an agent that has worked with both UFC and WWE talent was quick to point out that UFC has let top fighters walk over paying them, passing on dream fights, in addition to repeatedly taking steps to eliminate outside advertisements in cage for fighters. It should be noted that UFC arranges their own outfitting sponsors, though the money varies based on what fighter could command themselves. So that's all a positive there, but I don't know if WWE is going to get in bed with any of that. Because like I said, they're going to do what they need to do and UFC is going to do what they need to do. It's going to be up to Ariel uh, Emanuel or Ari Emanuel to see if he wants to go and bring that forth to the WWE product. But I do suspect, and this is where I do think change is going to happen. I do suspect with what we saw at WrestleMania, you're going to be seeing more advertisements for matches. You're going to be seeing brands integrated onto the wrestling mat. You're going to be seeing advertisements across the new LED boards that sit around ringside on Raw and SmackDown. You're going to get that type of shit, and I'm okay with that. AEW does it with DraftKings. AEW does it with others. You know, it's something that you got to get used to. I didn't really bat an eyelash at some of the advertisements on WrestleMania. Did I think that it was a little overabundance of, uh, of advertisements? Yes. I felt like there was an advertisement every fucking five minutes. But I'm okay with that. I'm not really, I'm not really sitting here telling you that I found Mike's Hard Lemonade sponsoring the Intercontinental Championship match a fucking problem. To me, it just makes the WWE more lucrative. It makes the WWE more presentable. It makes the WWE a little bit more appealing to everybody else watching it. It, it make, Honestly, you know, you look at it as a fucking hindrance because it maybe gets in the way of your viewing experience. But I find it to be a little uh, on the scale of WWE being up there even more so than they were. It, it makes them more of an attractive brand. It makes them seem like a bigger deal when you got all these different types of sponsors coming out wanting to be a part of what they're creating. Who gives a shit? We want WWE to be around for, forever. 
We want it to be around until we're fucking old and can't do this anymore. So go out and make your money. Again, I don't give a fuck who they get, who's advertising, who sold, who, who the company sold to. I don't care. Nothing's going to change on my end. Nothing's going to change on how I cover the show. Nothing's going to change on anything, on how I do anything on this show. If it sucks, I'm going to tell you. If I don't like it, I'm going to tell you. If Vince is a part of something and I know he's a part of something, I'm going to tell you he's a part of something. If I feel things are good, I'm going to tell you. Nothing is going to change. Nothing should change for you in this process right now. Will things change? Sure. Do I hope for the best for the roster? Sure. Would I love to see... People get OnlyFans and things that they're not allowed in WWE if it makes the company more money and it keeps the roster happy, which should be number one. Sure. Would I like to see them get brand army deals for additional income? Sure. But everybody's like, oh, this is a bad. Some of the people, I'm not saying everybody. Some of the people are on the same page that I am. I don't give a fuck. I I think this is a, a great opportunity for both. It makes them into a mega power. UFC is incredibly popular. Maybe some of that will start to rub off on WWE. It's going to make WWE more lucrative in the end. Some of the people gatekeeping I see online, those are the people that have a fucking problem with it. They think that Conor McGregor is going to end up in the octagon with fucking Roman Reigns or, you know, someone like uh, Ronda Rousey is going to end up back in the octagon again and fucking ruin what you got going on over there. No, no. Will there be crossover? The potential for crossover will be there, but it's not going to result in Brock Lesnar or Roman Reigns getting in the octagon. It's ridiculous to even think that. They're going to be separate entities. They're going to be operating separately. They're going to form this mega power, and they are going to be a publicly traded company together. They already are looking at the ticker uh, initials of TKO for Wall Street. Now, I don't know what this means for Wall Street. I'm not really the most Wall Street savvy guy. But from what I gather, this is not really a good short-term outlook for the shareholders. Now, if WWE and UFC combine forces here and they set up a brand new publicly traded company, which they said could take anywhere between four and six months, then obviously you're going to be a shareholder looking at, well, this is probably going to end up being a good thing. You're going to have to wait on getting any sort of fucking kickback from what you got right now. Those stocks and those shares, uh, I believe, are going to transfer over to what the new shares and the new company is going to be. So if you're a current shareholder right now, I believe that it's all going to be transferred over to what happens next in four to six months. Obviously, it's not a good short-term plan because these people obviously looking at this merger or potential sale happening. They want their instant gratification here, just like you, just like you Cody Rhodes fans, but you're not going to get that. Now you're going to have to wait to see how the new company does on Wall Street, and then you're going to do and do what you need to do there, decide on what you want to do, keep your stocks or sell your stocks. I don't know. I don't really know what's going to happen with that. But at, but at the end of the day, you know, there are positives to this. There are negatives to this, clearly. But at the end of the day, I'm not really all that concerned about who's buying WWE. The only thing that I was concerned with is how much power Vince McMahon does have at the end of the day. And we now know what power he does have. The sale in general has been a major talking point backstage for WrestleMania or at WrestleMania. The talent really aren't sure what's going on. The talent is definitely on the fence about all this because you know with this merger, there's going to be budget cuts. You know for a fact that there are going to be budget cuts. Talent may be cut. Nobody knows how much talent is going to be able to be brought in. 
That came to a standstill. Triple H stopped the hiring process, and it just you just felt it. He, it felt like every week he was bringing somebody back. That just stopped. Will there be budget cuts? Yes. I also feel like, and something happened today on the NXT brand, Grizzled Young Veterans, they were released. The Dyad, or whatever the fuck they were called, they were a part of Joe Gacy's schism, they were released. I honestly feel like if you want out, I don't think WWE or UFC or these new these new partners are going to hesitate on letting anybody go because there's going to be times and there's going to be a time where cuts are going to be made. So if they are looking at somebody that wants out and they've asked for their release, they're probably going to be more lenient in letting them go. More opportunities now for people to go and get out because they're un- uncertain and they're weary about what's going on. And more opportunities open up on the indies. And the talent pool now starts to open up on the indies. And-, and people are jumping ship now to go grab a job somewhere else instead of being stuck there. And they can't get out for as long as they are contracted to the company. So I'm going to start to say, you know, or I'm going to start to see rather, I believe we're going to start to see a, a lot more talents being released when they've asked to be released. So the talent right now, they don't know what's going on. I believe there's a talent meeting today or tonight, right before Monday Night Raw, where uh, management's going to address what happened today with the talent. I don't know what's going to be said there. I'll keep you guys updated. And if I do get anything on that from any of the sources or any of the uh, dirt sheets, I'll let you guys know uh, about that on Monday Night Raw tonight during the podcast. But we're told the relationship with WWE and Saudi Arabia was, uh, you know, obviously it was not going to be sold to them, but it will continue uh, because they do have, I believe, seven years left on their contract with the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Now, as far as the UFC pay-per-views and the way that their model is for the... ESPN Plus app. A lot of people are wondering and worrying that WWE is going to change their pay-per-view model. Now, Nick Khan has already said that there is a possibility of that happening. And I do believe that that will be also one of the changes that will happen. WWE right now is going to be in negotiations with Fox and NBCU. Nick Khan's already said that Fox and NBCU are going to get first dibs uh, about WWE and if they want to keep WWE on their platforms or not. So he's giving them first dibs. The most important thing is that NBC and Fox, from a WWE point of view, feel respected in the process, says Nick Khan. So we're going to enter these negotiations with them, also noting that the rights of first refusal starts now. So he's going to give them first at bat for the negotiation process. Currently, WWE's linear TV rights deals with both NBCU and Fox each have the right to first refusal. And if they want to re-up, they can. If they want to refuse, they can. They're set up to expire next year in 2024. Additionally, its streaming deal with Peacock expires in 2026. This is where I mentioned Nikon mentioning them going back to a traditional pay-per-view model for the 12 or 13 premium live events that they do throughout the year. I don't think that this is going to be an issue now, though I do see them going to some sort of model like that. I don't think that Nick Khan and WWE in 2026 is going to rob you of your money for 12, 13, 14 pay-per-views for the entire year. I do think that they're going to go to the UFC model because it's a a major moneymaker for the UFC and WWE wants to maximize their profits in any which way that they can. What I do think is going to happen, I do think that WWE is definitely going to charge for their premium events, meaning Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, 
SummerSlam, Survivor Series, or Money in the Bank, or whichever one else they want to consider the big five. I do think that WWE is going to charge premium price for these premium events on a new platform, whichever that platform may be. I don't know. I don't know. But that's not going to happen until 2026. It's only April 2023. So we got at least three years of the current model for WWE. Sign up to Peacock. You pay $4.99, $9.99 for the ad-free experience. And you're going to get every WWE major premium live event at least for the next three years. UFC's original five-year contract with ESPN was extended through 2025. So who knows what is going to come out of those? Peacock 2026 with WWE, UFC with ESPN through 2025. So I don't want you guys to worry about that now. We got three years before anything changes. Enjoy it while it lasts because I do think that we're going to end up with something changing in the next few years. Nick Khan says, we're going to see what that looks like, and hopefully it's robust. We don't get out of the right of first window, Khan added, hoping that the companies can strike a deal with each of them. Regardless of whether that happens or not, Khan is aware that it's all about finding the correct landing spot. If we're not able to do that, we'll see what the marketplace has to say and ultimately choose the right partner for the WWE audience and our shareholders. They cannot charge for every single pay-per-view like they do the UFC shows at $60, $70 a pop. Uh, You know, you've conditioned your fans for how many years now to pay up, you know, or sign up for an app and pay, you know, this, this very attractive price point to get all these major shows. Then you're going to switch it up on them and ask for $60, $70 for a premium live event. 12, 13, 14 times a year. I I don't know if that's a good business move, man. You're going to drive a lot of people away. It may actually benefit benefit us content creators at the end of the day because what you guys don't watch, you're going to watch or end up watching us to fill you in on what happened. Or you're just going to illegally download it somewhere and go on, you know, a a website uh, online and and watch it for free and, and steal it illegally. Now, nobody wants to do that, but... WWE is going to have a very difficult decision to make. You've conditioned your fan base to pay this attractive price point for all their events. Then you want to switch it up on them. That's why I think it's only going to be the five major shows that you're going to end up paying for. And everything else is going to be on a streaming app. And you can watch for a basic uh, price point, introductory price point, to sign up for that streaming service, whichever it may be, come 2025, 2026. So a lot is going to change. A lot is going to change. Another thing that I don't like about that, if WWE does want to, you know, give you the premium price point for all of their events, even so, if it's a premium price point to pay for a Royal Rumble, which we're not paying for right now, or a premium Survivor Series that you're not paying for right now, WrestleMania, SummerSlam, Money in the Bank, they are going to have to up the quality of the TV shows to offset the price of $60, $70 that you're going to be paying for. Because if you feel like the build is not worth it, and the TV is not worth it leading in, and the hype is not worth it, how many of you are going to go out there and pay $60, $70 for a fucking five, six-week build for an event that you are not genuinely feeling? So you're going to need to have the product equal the price that you want to charge, that premium price that you want to charge for those major shows. Otherwise, it's not going to really work out for WWE. 
because right now you see the way that it is, especially under Vince McMahon when Vince was there before Triple H took over. The television sucked. They put little to no effort into building these shows and just threw random matches on pay-per-view. Are you going to want to pay for something that you're not completely invested in at $70? I know I'm not. I'll be end up. I'll end up fucking illegally stealing it. I'm not paying seventy dollars for that. If I'm not into the fucking build and I'm not invested in what you're selling, and the TV doesn't get me to a point where I want to shell out seventy dollars, you're gonna have to change that very fucking quickly, very quickly. So that's another problem, and I don't think WWE wants to go and do that because it's just more effort on their end to make the TV better, and they are usually in the camp of you know doing as little as they can to merely get by. Who's going to want to build five weeks of captivating television for fucking Backlash or TLC or whatever the fuck they got going on? I don't know. I don't know. CNBC exclusive interview. This was reportedly recorded over the weekend, aired today on CNBC. This was with Scott Wapner. And he talked about Endeavor buying WWE, merging WWE and UFC. Transaction values the entity at $21.4 billion, $12 billion for the UFC, and $9.4 billion for the WWE. This is a substantial premium over WWE's current $6.5 billion market cap. Now, after the deal closes, expected in the fourth quarter of 2023... Endeavor will hold 51% of the controlling interest in the new enterprise, while existing WWE shareholders will hold 49% interest. So how exactly did these two parties end up as a tag team? They interviewed, CNBC did, Ari Emanuel and Vince McMahon during the exclusive interview, which was over the weekend, which aired today on CNBC. So... Vince McMahon says, this is the biggest thing Ari Emanuel and myself have ever done, combining forces like this. There's nothing like this. There's nothing been done like this before. People may talk about this for a very long time. And then it was discussed that there were a lot of suitors. And McMahon said, yeah, there were. But Ari really surprised us. And the synergies out of everybody that was interested, clearly he appreciated that. These synergies that Ari brings are totally different than anybody else. So it was then asked to Vince, many doubted we would ever see the day that you would be willing to sell a controlling stake in your company. You are the WWE and the WWE is you, CNBC asked. So why? It's the right time. Vince said it's the right time to do the right thing and it's the next evolution of WWE. No, it's not the right time because it was never about the sale of the company. Vince sold his controlling shares of the company or controlling power of the company to somebody that he knows for many, 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 many years and sold it to somebody that is not going to harm his current position in place right now and will be willing to do ball with Vince McMahon. Anybody else that was possibly interested in buying the company, more than likely they did not want Vince McMahon involved in any which way because of the current scandals that he erased and seemingly wiped under the fucking rug, and he thinks he's gotten away scot-free, and he thinks he can go about business the way that it used to be, and he thinks things are going to go back to normal. They didn't want him. They didn't want the bad juju that Vince McMahon brought. So he said it was the right thing to do, and it was the right time, and this is the next evolution of WWE. 
I could probably do what Ari is right now. You know, it'll take me 10 years. You know, in that time, I would grab those 10 years. He'll be 10 years ahead of us. So it's like, it makes all the sense in the world for all these synergies to attract and come together in this marketplace. So CNBC then asks, the deal values UFC, you mentioned some numbers, 12 billion and WWE at 9.3 billion. That's a big number. WWE's market cap is six and a half. So Ari Emanuel, the CEO of Endeavor, says, here's what I would say exactly why we did this, because I think we weren't getting the pure value. I don't think the WWE was getting the pure value. Combined, it's rarefied air, the two of us, and I think the analysts will be able to do it. It's good for the shareholders, shareholders of WWE, and for the shareholders of Endeavor, and then when you look back, I don't believe that in Endeavor shareholders were getting pure play for the rest of the assets that we had. And I think for the first time, you now have the ability to do that in both situations. And that's a win-win, which is what Vince McMahon and I always talked about. This was not a straight-up cash deal. If this was a straight-up cash deal, the stock would have... I mean, I think the stock right now is down like $8 uh, for the day. I think they are closing at $83, $84 a share. So... You know, if WWE sold for a cash deal, stock would have been up. It would have been over $100 a share. And then they would have gotten 100 and some some odd dollars per share in the buyout. But this was not a straight up cash deal. So the shareholders, this is why the stock is down, because there isn't any instant gratification here for the WWE uh, and its shareholders. This is going to be a long-term play. This deal is not going to close until the fourth quarter of 2023. The stock market is not going to get this new company for the next four to six months, which is around that time frame. And we don't know what the company's name is going to be. Uh, They're going to be a publicly traded company. But then all those shares, like I mentioned before, are going to move over and be transferred under the new uh, publicly traded company. So if you have a share in WWE now, it's going to be transferred over. And then you got to wait to see what happens there. If you want to cash out, if you want to stay, are you going to make as much money as if the WWE sold it uh, outright? I don't know. It's a big question mark. That's why the stock was down $7, $8 today. So it's going to be a very interesting thing to follow if you are a current shareholder of WWE. But the way that this merger happened and with the power of Endeavor and UFC mixed with the WWE, I can't imagine it's going to be a bad thing. I can't. I mean, this has to be, this has to work out. I can't see it failing. So CNBC then asked, when I throw those kinds of numbers out at you, I mean, the word on the street was that you wanted $9 billion. This value is the WWE at $9.3. So despite everything that's happened, and McMahon then says, I'm a visionary. And then CNBC says, well, let me hit you with this number. So Ari Emanuel then comes back and says, but here's what I would also say to you. We paid a fair price, and I'll tell you why. We paid a little bit for control premium with our cost cuts. Their new deal is coming up, which right now, And our cost savings that we think we can extract from the business right now and grow the business with our levers, whether it'll be international sales, domestic sponsorship, gambling, all the things that we do. That's another thing. WWE, you know, we're rumored about, you know, potentially betting on matches. UFC has DraftKings and fucking FanDuel and all this shit. We may see WWE get in bed in several different aspects that UFC is in bed with that WWE currently is not. This opens up the floodgates for brand new avenues for WWE to explore. Everybody said I overpaid. It was actually one of the cheapest deals in sports. 
For sure, when I bought the UFC, everybody was like 4.2 billion. They were like crazy. We tripled uh, in that period of time. And now with this, it's going to be the UFC 2.0 as it relates to all things in the flywheel that we can bring to them. And we have unbelievably attractive economics. The balance sheet's incredible. Our debt ratio is less than three times. Our free cash flow conversation is unbelievable. So I think when people look at this business on a combined basis, and you also look at the remaining assets for a bull shareholder, it's incredible. So Ari Emanuel then goes on to say that McMahon is staying on as executive chairman. So obviously McMahon and his sexual endeavors and his sexual misconduct scandal and investigation came up. You know, it was revealed that he paid four women $12 million in hush money. McMahon was forced to retire thereafter. He did leave the company for nearly six months, supposedly, before returning to help lead a potential transaction. And most had assumed McMahon would leave altogether if a deal happened. But if he was staying on as executive chairman, you know, it was something that he said, I'm going to see through. I'm going to see a sell the company through, and then if, and if whoever buys the company wants me to go away and step down, I, I would do that. So he is staying on as executive chairman of the board because Ari Emanuel requested he stay on, which I just got done telling you, it was never about a sale of the company. McMahon was always going to work with somebody that was going to keep him in charge. In this case, it's Ari Emanuel. He says, and I quote, well, I would have said the following. I would have body slammed Vince if he thought he was going to leave. Because as I said to you before, here's a man who has been around the corners at every bat or every beat over the last four years of this business and has a vision for where this business way before a lot of people see it him now being able to utilize what we've built in our flywheel. I'm the luckiest guy in the world because I got Vince McMahon, a visionary that sees around corners. I got Dana White and what we've built. That is pretty unstoppable. So CNBC then asks, you wanted Vince to stay? And Ari Emanuel says, oh my God, yes. Oh my God. So he was asked, do you have, or did you have to convince him to stay? And then McMahon chimes in, no, not that much. Would you have been? McMahon says, I love what I do. I love building WWE all my life. It's my passion. And I have an opportunity to see it grow like this in an exponential kind of standpoint. Can't be better than that. Then CNBC says, it's an interesting plot twist because not a lot of people saw this coming. In fact, your own CEO, Nick Khan, told David Faber of CNBC just back in February, Vince has declared to the board, to me, to other upper management, he is 100% open to a transaction where he's not included in the company moving forward. McMahon says, sure. Then CNBC asked, were you ready to walk away? McMahon said, absolutely. Ari Emanuel says, I wasn't going to let him walk away. We have a relationship for 23 years. There's a trust there's a friendship when you're going into business and going forward. I think that's important. So Ari Emanuel is to be blamed now for keeping Vince on board, supposedly, with what he said. Because Vince McMahon said if the company was sold, he would walk away. Do I believe that wholeheartedly? No. I don't think Vince was ever going to walk away. But Ari Emanuel is going to bat for Vince McMahon, and he's putting himself in a position to defend this man 
when everybody legitimately looking at this situation wanted him gone. So he's now the executive chairman of the board and there's a trust there for 23 years. Vince was always going to sell to somebody and be in business with somebody if he was to sell the WWE with somebody like Ari Emanuel. We didn't know if it was going to be him, Endeavor, or, or someone else. It was always going to be someone that was going to have Vince's best interests at heart. That was the only way a deal was going to get done. So then we talk about creative. On the creative side, Vince, do you plan to be as involved as you have been in the past? McMahon says yes and no on a higher level. Yes, in the weeds, which is something that always I love to do to get into the weeds in the past. But no, I can't do that. So he says he's going to be involved in creative on the higher level of things. But in the weeds, being there day to day, being there during Raw, being there during SmackDown. No, I can't do that. Four years ago, Vince McMahon said this same exact thing to Eric Bischoff and Paul Heyman when he hired both of them as executive director of Monday night and Friday night. What happened? Vince McMahon put those two men in place and he put them in place because he wanted to take a step back from creative and things needed to change. So he put those two men in place and Vince always notoriously has surrounded himself with yes men at every twist and turn. Every twist and turn. This is no different. Triple H is a yes man. Is he as bad as Eric Bischoff and Paul Heyman? No. I think there's a little bit more trust in Triple H than there was in Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff. But the reason why that they were hired was because if something went wrong, Vince had somebody to blame. Eric Bischoff didn't even last six weeks. Paul Heyman didn't even last a year. So when they started doing things that Vince McMahon did not want and they had ideas that Vince McMahon did not care for, Vince McMahon got rid of them and appointed Bruce Pritchard in charge of Monday Night Raw and Friday Night SmackDown because we all know Bruce Pritchard is basically Vince McMahon 2.0. Vince is going, Vince can stay away for as long as he wants and Bruce is going to book the show the same exact way that Vince McMahon would want if Vince was there. So what this means is that Vince McMahon, no matter what you want to believe... Vince McMahon is a part of creative. He's not there. He's not going to be there. He doesn't need to be there. He's not going to be interacting with the 60 or 70 writers. He's not going to be interacting with any of the talent. If Vince wants something, if Vince wants something done, if Vince wants someone on TV, if Vince wants a champion crowned, if Vince wants somebody called up, if Vince wants anything at all, if Vince wants a change in the creative process, if Vince wants a rewrite, and he doesn't like the way the show looks on paper, which he gets first and foremost before anybody. Vince is going to call Bruce Pritchard. Vince is going to call Triple H. And Vince is going to have those two guys change what he wants. There's no reason why Vince needs to be there anymore. None. Because it's been reported that backstage morale's been up since he's gone. Why would he be back there to lower the morale of the entire locker room? He's going to do so and, and do it in silence. So Vince is auto, automatically telling you, he's already telling you that he is in charge in some way, shape, or form of creative. He never left. This has been the same. Th this is exactly how they have been operating since August. He, he didn't go anywhere. He's not going anywhere, at least for the next two years. 
Is something going to happen in that two years where they could get rid of him? If there is justifiable reason for Vince McMahon to be axed, sure. But Vince McMahon, at any given moment in time, if he is upset with something, if he does not want something, if he doesn't like the way the current company is moving forward creatively, he has every given right and power to change it. He could make Triple H into the Bruce Pritchard, or he could, make, he could make Triple H into the Eric Bischoff and Paul Heyman of four years ago. I don't like it. Get out. He could demote. He could remove Triple H from power. But like I said to you before, I promise you guys not to push the narrative as much as I did over the last two or three weeks going into WrestleMania. But Vince, know this, is in charge. Is Vince in charge completely? No. Is Triple H in charge? Yes. But from what I got out of this, Vince, he's going to be a part of creative in a higher level, meaning Roman Reigns, meaning Cody Rhodes, meaning Brock Lesnar, and everything that happens in a major storyline or at the top of the card when it comes to talent like that. Everything else is going to be Triple H. We're going to have to live with it. We're going to have to get used to it. We're going to have to just accept it for what it is. Know this, he is a part of the creative process, and he never went anywhere. I'm not going to be too upset about that. Now, was Cody Rhodes losing at WrestleMania on night two a Vince McMahon decision? Some people say no. I look like, I look at it and say, you know, potentially it is a major decision because Vince McMahon just told you that he's going to be a part of creative in a higher power, in a higher way. There's no higher than the main event of WrestleMania on night two with Roman Reigns and whomever he's in the ring with. What happens if Vince says, you know what, Mr. McMahon, the character, Mr. McMahon is dead, he says. Decides he wants to get back in the ring. Ari Emanuel says his choice. McMahon says that's not going to happen. But anything creatively, Ari Emanuel said that it's going to be up to Vince. And if Vince wants to change it, he's got the power to do so. Ari Emanuel is staying out of the creative aspect of anything WWE. That is Vince McMahon's role. Then the McMahon legacy and the sexual misconduct scandal got brought up. Obviously, you know what happened. And it was 14, 15, I seen upwards towards $19 million paid out because of the sexual allegations and misconduct that Vince McMahon was, you know, uh, dealing with in the summer. So he talks about it being a great day. Things have to evolve. Family business, it all has to evolve for the right reasons. And this is the right business decision. Thus far, it's the family, it's the right family decision. He says, I've made mistakes, obviously, both personally and professionally through my 50-year career. I've owned up to every single one of them and then moved on. Did he? Because if he moved on, he would be out the door. Did he move on? Did he make mistakes? Has he owned up to it? Vince's mentality is, let me throw money at it and everything will go away. That's exactly what he did. I'm not sure the legacy, but I'm not going to write it, so I don't know. I want to say is someone who had an extraordinary amount of fun, great passion for what they did, and wound up doing the biggest deal that he's ever done in his entire life with this one. So, McMahon had uh, some inklings of whatever he needed to say here in this interview with CNBC. Um, Not really uh, surprising. None of it was really surprising. But 
the merger is going to be completed at the end of the year. It is in the motion. It's the, the wheels are in motion, and uh, things are going to change. I, I don't see things drastically changing for WWE TV creatively. Uh, I don't see Ari Emanuel and the UFC getting involved and stepping on WWE's toes and standing, stepping on their management team's toes. I think everything that is in place for WWE and UFC, respectively, is going to remain the same. It is just going to enhance the overall products for both UFC and WWE over the course of the next few years. And then who knows what's going to happen after their current deals are up, how much change we are legitimately going to get. It's anybody's guess. It is going to be anybody's guess. How long is Vince going to be there? How much career power is he going to have? Is he going to use that power to change things over the course of the next two years? Nobody knows. But everybody seems to think that Triple H is in charge. I'm going to think that Triple H is in charge for the most part. But don't go out there and say that Vince is not in charge because then that is not true and you're not being true to yourself. Vince is in charge of creative, but not in the complete capacity that he was before. Triple H is booking, I would say, 80% of it. Vince has a cool 20%, and they are clearly doing this as a tandem. If it stays that way, we should be fine. And I'm not going to be afraid to call out if it's Vince, if it's Triple H, if I feel this should have been that way, why is this being done, and the usual spiel that I usually do on here. I'm not going to be afraid to call it out. But now you got the answers that you were looking for. I'm excited about this news. I'm excited about this merger. Nothing's immediately going to happen. We're going to let it play out. It's not the end of the world. It's not doom and gloom. The only thing that I was really worried about, I didn't give a fuck who it was sold to. As long as it wasn't Saudi or someone like Disney who's going to fuck things up and the legacy of the entire company could potentially be ruined, it's in the hands of good people. It's seemingly in the hands of good people knowing what they need it to be. So that's the most important thing. And the other thing was Vince McMahon because I don't believe that he should be where he is. He should be, honestly, he should be in jail. He should not be where he is. That was my main concern. But if he stays back and stays in his lane, I think we should be okay. The other big news that happened today is an NXT tag team, and this is what we'll end with. An NXT tag team has asked and have been granted their release. Schism no longer has Jagger Reed and Rip Fowler the former grizzled young veterans have requested their release and now have been granted their release. They were part of Schism on NXT. Now, there is no reason why they asked for their releases unless something broke today during this live stream, which I will find out now. Let's see if anything broke here. Uh, no. And I just see on the news feed that Hall of Famer Bushwhacker Butch has passed away. I don't know why, uh, but Bob Miller, better known as Bushwhacker Butch, has passed away at the age of 78. He recently uh, traveled to New Zealand, to the United States, and became ill where he had to be uh, admitted to a hospital in Los Angeles. So Bushwhacker Luke, Luke Williams, who was his longtime tag team partner, um, announced the news today on Instagram. Update, our dear Bob has passed away. Those... Uh, know that we love, uh, never truly leave us. Things here like death cannot touch. We will always love you, Uncle Bob Miller, until we meet again. Uh, so that is the sad news today 
So uh, thoughts and prayers go out to uh, Bushwhacker Butch Bob Miller, man. That sucks. That sucks. Um, no reason on why the grizzled young veterans were released. Uh, both men are tremendous talents, veterans over a decade, expected to be in demand on the U.S. indie scene, uh, no doubt about it, especially in the United Kingdom. Um, they were one of the best tag teams in WWE. Easy. A lot of you might not have known their previous work in NXT UK. They were tremendous. Fucking awesome, man. The battles that they had over there on NXT UK with Mustache Mountain. It's fucking great, man. The heat that they garnered over there was tremendous. Man, do I miss that. Then they then they got to the United States. They really never really hit their stride. Then when Bruce and Vince took over NXT, they kind of changed their entire look. They changed their gimmick, and they got placed in Schism, and the group is terrible. Schism is awful television. They are absolutely a charisma vacuum group if i ever seen one. Uh, they changed their entire look. The group was a dead-end act. Ava Rain, The Rock's daughter, is a part of it. I hated that they added her to it. I mean, she, it's dead. Joe Gacy is boring. He's nothing more than a bargain basement fucking Bray Wyatt. It was going nowhere. They thought... And I'm pretty sure that they thought it was a dead-end road for their career, man. When are we getting the fuck out of here? And this is so beneath us. Like, we, we, we need to do something else. And good for them for asking me that release. They've seen the writing on the wall. And with the sale of the company, I wouldn't be surprised if more people are going to want out because of the uncertainty, you know? Budget cuts are looming. People are on edge. People are walking on eggshells. They felt like, hey, with this new fucking uh, owner coming in, and the company being sold, we're never going to get the fuck out of here. Let's let's get the hell out of here. So they might have picked the right time to get the hell out of there. And good for them. They are way too talented. They are incredible at what they do. And they are not going to have any problem finding work. Everybody on that brand, like these guys, NXT and that brand is beneath them. It really is. And that group schism was a dead end act going nowhere. Nowhere. Complete sh- Trash. So I'm glad that they left, and now they can be themselves and get back to doing what they were doing. They were legitimately one of the best tag teams in the company, ruined because of shit creative. Anyway, guys, I am going to get into the Super Chats in just a little bit. I want to thank you guys very much for joining me here on the podcast. It's a Monday afternoon, man. We had 3,500 people live for this OTS Extra. Hopefully you got some information out of it that you previously did not. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Please hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. Go check out all, and I mean all, of the content from WrestleMania weekend. All on the homepage right now, so go check that stuff out. Night one, night two, we got that Mega Powers podcast. Teaming up with Ango. Teaming up with BC. BC Amplified. Great stuff on the channel, man, if you missed any of that stuff. And thank you for a tremendous weekend. We broke records, shattered records here personally on OTS, and we're looking to continue that moving on into April and the rest of 2023, guys. Thank you so very much. We're almost at 144,000 subs. We're just about at 50,000 followers on Twitter. You guys are tremendous. Please hit that thumbs up. We need one 100 more likes for 1,500. So if you guys can go do that for me, I would really appreciate it. And uh, get those super chats in, man. It's last call here on Off The Scripts. 
inside my mother's basement. Let's get into the Super Chats, man. We're going to start off with uh, Clem. He becomes a new member. Clem, thank you so much, brother. What the fuck are you drinking this afternoon at happy hour, man? Max Amersten with the $2 Super Chat. Love the new venue. It exemplifies class like me. Thank you, brother. Michelle Moran with a $2 Super Chat. Triple H may be hurt by budget cuts soon. I, I would not... I would not doubt it, Michelle. Budget cuts are definitely happening. When? Where? I don't know. Ryan T. with a new membership. Average Joe, 1992, with a new membership. Thank you, gentlemen. What the fuck are you guys drinking this happy hour? Michael Bertoni with a $10 Super Chat. What's up, JD? Hope all is well. Imagine if Roman merges the titles tonight and brings back the winged eagle to piss off Cody even more. Gives a bigger reason for Cody to chase the title for SummerSlam. Man, you know, just the thought of you saying that, man, I'd actually love to see that. I would absolutely love to see that. Wrestle Jake with a new membership. Thank you, Wrestle Jake. What the fuck are you drinking this afternoon, brother? Steve Winyard with a five. In the weeds. I remember when he said that with the executive directors on a shareholder call. Yeah, sure. We will see. Again, man, Vince is not to be trusted, bro. Vince is not to be trusted at all. Shayla with a new membership. Thank you, Shayla. Also, Dat Nortez or Notrez, $9.99. It's shocking how you and Solomon are polar opposites on this story. I love the fact that you both have shared good points, but ultimately because of this purchase, makes total sense. I don't know. What did Jason say about it? Why would Jason be against this? Why would, J- would Jason be against this merger? I mean, the, the merger isn't even a big deal to me. Steve Winion with a $5 super chat. I don't trust Vince to book Cody, ex-AEW, to beat Roman even at SummerSlam. 100% I agree. There's a greater story and payoff. I just don't trust Vince. Nobody trusts Vince, Steve. JC720 with a $5 super chat. I acknowledge the brilliance that is JD sitting here at work and enjoying the truth. My coworker is fuming and I love it. Fuck him, JC. Thank you, brother. Adam Henson with a $2 super chat. When did Pirat take over WWE? I'm guessing you're talking about Vince's mustache. Vince's mustache looks ridiculous, man. He looks like a fucking Sonic the Hedgehog villain. Matt Eagle with a $4.99. People crying all day, but forget about King of the Ring and Money in the Bank. Give me King Cody and Gunther with the briefcase. People are stupid, bro. They jump to conclusions too quickly. Marco Collin with a new membership. Thank you, Marco. Bradley Robinette with a $1.99. Does this mean the deal with Peacock is going away? No, they got three years left. Christy Wilson with a $1.99. Vince is such a liar. He always is. I don't trust him. Jason Barker with a $10 Super Chat. I'm taking, or I'm talking rather, to everyone in my Discord group, and it is horrible how fickle fans and the IWC are blind and willing to do whatever it takes to defend Vince's wrongdoings and creative fingerprints. Bro, how anybody could defend Vince McMahon is ridiculous, bro. It really is ridiculous. I mean, you, you got some fucking problems if you're defending Vince McMahon. Colin Kerwick with the $2 CBJ. I'm willing to give Endeavor a chance. Likewise. 
Michelle Moran with a two. When do you see the bloodline turn on Roman? I don't know. It may be at SummerSlam. Who knows? Padman won with a 499. I'm predicting Triple H's announcement being the new WWE title. Cheers, brother, for another WrestleMania season filled with your passion. Thank you, man. Uh, I would absolutely love if Triple H's announcement is the WWE title, and that may actually kind of coincide with what I talked about, man. New era. New era coming to the WWE. We may, we may get Roman getting a new championship tonight. Portillo with nine months in the OTS venue. Thank you, Portillo. Didn't know this, but Ari Gold from Entourage is based in part on his real-life Ari Emanuel. Excellent show, JD. I did not know that, bro. I did not know that. I, I never watched Entourage. Hammer with a new membership. Thank you, Hammer. The fuck are you drinking, man? Hollywood guy with a five. I figured that Vince was the one behind the Cody match because when Triple H did the after match discussion, his answers seemed too political. Of course. But Triple H is right, man. The story is just beginning, man. Story is always revolving or, or, or evolving. Just give it some time, man. I don't understand why people got so upset. Campaign Poppy with a 499. Big surprises tonight. Let's see. Last year's Raw after Mania sucked. Cheers to the show. See you after Raw. Thank you, brother. Uh, yeah, I do think we got some surprises tonight. I'm excited for it. Fall on exposure with a $5 Super Jet. Thanks for covering Mania. What was your favorite match? I think I enjoyed the IC title match the most. Uh, I enjoyed that and the actual match between Cody and Roman. The ending was a little, obviously, you know, everybody was upset with the interference, but it is what it is, man. The match itself was fantastic. And Johnny Ballzinger with a $10 Super Chat. First Super Chat from Johnny. People don't get it. It's about the chase. The chase makes the story better. The chase makes for an emotional investment. The chase for the title is where the money is. Johnny comment of the fucking stream man thank you so very much guys i am getting out of here justin monday for the 499 gunta deserves a better intercontinental title belt it doesn't matter what that man's wearing bro he makes whatever title he's carrying guys i'm getting out of here i'm about to take a two-hour nap make dinner and then watch raw with you guys and i'll be back live from Monday Night Raw after WrestleMania right here on Off The Script. Thank you so much for your time this afternoon. Thank you for a great week, which continues on to tonight's mega show after Monday Night Raw right here on Off The Script. I'll see you guys later. <laughs>